Alright, welcome back to another episode, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you're having a wonderful day as always. Uh, Real Fast Manitoba, like, share, subscribe. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Especially sharing, that really does help. Manitoba Freethinker on Facebook and YouTube. MB Freethinker on Twitter. And if you're on the go or in the car, you don't want to watch a video, you can go and listen on pretty much any podcast podcast platform out there it's a manitoba freethinker podcast all right manitoba it has been a while i think i took about a month off um i was in school so uh studying got pretty intense man so i just couldn't i couldn't do both couldn't do uh you know go to school and study in the evening and then uh put together the podcast so either way i'm glad to be back done school and uh jesus i missed a lot um first of all i guess uh congratulations to scott gillingham our mayor of winnipeg um i didn't vote for him personally but he is our mayor so i uh wish him the best i hope he doesn't um go too woke on us i really wanted don woodstock to win but um Either way, it is what it is. So he is our mayor, so I do wish him the best. Um, shout out to all our other new city councillors, Reeves, mayors, school trustees um, throughout the whole province. And um, c- congratulations on being elected. And a shout out to all the candidates who ran but didn't get elected. Um, obviously, just giving a voice to a lot of Manitobans that haven't been heard. Uh, it's very important jobs, even if you didn't get elected. So congratulations. Good job. Um, try again, I would say. And also I missed Remembrance Day. So a special shout out to, um, all our armed forces past and present. Um, even though our prime minister may not, love you guys and you know respect you guys he's off in another pro- uh, another country during remembrance day um just know that the majority of canadians have your back and we love and respect you um for all the sacrifices that you guys do but manitoba it has been like i said i missed a shitload but uh today's a good day to come back uh if you guys didn't know heather stephenson and the pc party released their plan for the upcoming year Um, in the throne speech and I'm just going to read through it really fast Um, I could definitely read through it faster than how it was delivered took a long time Um, but I think it's important to know because this way you kind of have at least something to base your vote on this is what the PC party is telling you that they want to do so I I mean hold them accountable Manitoba I'm going to say right off the bat, it sounded good. Like, I'm I'm not going to lie. I've been very harsh on Stephenson in the past. And um, I don't know. I think I'm pretty happy. In case you guys did miss it, Kevin Gorson came out earlier this month. And he just uh, wanted to clarify that uh, the PC party is not going to call an early election. So that's going to remain on October 3rd of next year. And that's coming up, Manitoba. So... 12 months, um, basically, like, it, 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 I, I wonder if Stephenson kind of bit off more than she could chew, because, uh, like I said, the plan sounds good, they hit on all the major parts, 
Um, it was just uh, the outline of how they're going to, uh, like, the the um, the exact plan is going to be released in the upcoming months. This was just kind of a guideline, I guess, released. So they, there wasn't too many too many details on how they're going to accomplish this. Um, but she did hold Stephenson did hold a press conference earlier today, and she recognized that time is of the essence because uh, Manitobans are going to the polls next year in, in like thirteen months. So, but like I said, she hit on all the major topics, crime, health, economy. Um, From what I remember, there was no like COVID BS or no woke BS in there. It just, like I said, I was impressed. Um, So it kind of gave me some hope for Manitoba. It seemed like for a long time, Manitoba had no plan on like our never ending healthcare crisis or the crime in Manitoba, Winnipeg just hit 45 murders. So we broke our record. Good job, Winnipeg being Winnipeg. So, I mean, uh, Gillingham and um, Stephenson, they got like a tough, tough job ahead. Um, but either way, Manitoba. So, yeah, uh, I'm going to read to you really fast the throne speech. So this is basically what you guys, I feel should judge Heather Stephenson off of my fear. Like I said, I'm critical on the PC party, Heather Stephenson, but my fear is, um, that Manitoba gets fed up with the PC party. And then we do something silly, like vote Wob canoe in power. That would not be good Manitoba. So let's just hold the PC party accountable. And, um, not go crazy. So let me pull it up here. So yeah, this was the throne speech. I mean, the first part just goes over, um, they're talking about the queen, the king, and our land, blah, blah, blah. Go down to page four, it starts. And, uh, wait, I wrote it down somewhere. Who actually read out the, uh, speech? It wasn't, uh, Stephenson. It was delivered by Honorable Anita Neville, who is Lieutenant Governor of the province of Manitoba. So that's who read out the speech. So this is Manitoba. Like I said, this is what they are telling us that they're going to accomplish. Now, not everything obviously can be accomplished in year one. They're like long-term plans. But for the most part, uh, it sounds good. Let's hope they can pull it off. So in the coming year, we will further commit to helping make our community safer, helping families make ends meet, strengthening health care and reducing surgical and diagnostic backlogs, helping Manitoba make more competitive, oh sorry, helping make Manitoba more competitive, helping protect our environment, climate and parks, helping build stronger communities and advancing reconciliation. Our government will continue to listen to and work with Manitobans to accomplish our shared goals. So the first one, helping make our communities safer. Throughout the province, communities are confronted with unprecedented concerns over violent crime and public safety. Our government will continue to work collaboratively with all police agencies alongside all levels of government to ensure the resources needed to make our communities safe are available and investments are made strategically and focused on protecting our citizens. 
Our government will continue to tackle the underlying issues on homelessness, addictions, and mental health by providing increased supports for frontline law enforcement officers throughout uh, through technology, specialized training, increased police presence, and support for more officers. Manitoba, that is a beautiful thing to hear. None of this, like, cutting the police force or, like, you know, all that crazy shit that went on two years ago during the BLM riots down south. That did trickle up here. They were trying to, like, cut, like, get rid of our police. Like, we need more police on the streets. Anyways, I'll continue. These measures will provide the tools and staffing necessary to deal with those who have resisted help, preyed on others, and chosen to live outside the law. Our government understands that without addressing the root cause of crime, we will not succeed in ensuring families across the province feel safe. Manitobans experiencing homelessness deserve a safe place. For the last, for the first time in more than two decades, our government properly addressed the funding and moderation of our shelters with a recent announcement of $15 million investment. Early next year, as part of Manitoba's first ever homelessness strategy, we will include funding for nonprofit organizations who partner with us so that they can provide enhanced and sustainable services. Our recent investment of $1.7 million in Nadinawak's 24-7 shelter ensures that those in need have a safe, warm place to spend the night. Violence against women and girls and incidents of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls continue to be a priority of our government the first progressive report and update to the gender-based violence framework will be released in the upcoming months. Our government is not only putting additional funding into homelessness initiatives, but we will contribute additional funding to help police deal with serious street crime, gang, and organized crime prosecutions. Thank you, Manitoba. Over the next few a number of months in collaboration with frontline officers, other levels of government and key stakeholders, my government will continue to strive towards providing a greater sense of safety, whether you are going downtown to work, to a sporting event, or on a family outing. We recently announced more than $3.2 million to invest in intensive bail supervision and high-risk warrant units to ensure the most violent criminals do not remain on our streets. They will properly uh, monitored upon release to decrease the instance of repeat offense. This will help us find an, and apprehend the most violent criminals responsible for committing the most heinous, heinous, heinous crimes in our communities. The Downtown Community Safety Partnership is making stride in creating a safer city center. Earlier this month, we extended funding to the DCSP with a $3.6 million grant. Working with our community partners, a renowned and enhanced camera network system will provide even more eyes on the ground to make downtown safer for everyone. Heads up, Winnipeg, more cameras going downtown. Crimes targeting children are the, the utmost concern for our government. To stop those preying on our children, we will increase funding that targets gang activities and child exploitation. So that sounds pretty good. We have a major crime issue in Manitoba. Um, so, like I said, that sounds like a lot. I hope they can pull it off. Helping Manitobans make ends meet. We all know that in Manitoba and across the country, families and individuals are grappling with the rising cost of living. living. Everything from gas to groceries is getting more expensive as a direct result of rising in, 
inflation and the federal carbon tax. Our government has and will continue to listen to meet the needs of Manitobans. We have heard, we have acted, and we will continue to fight to help families make ends meet. Earlier this year, we introduced the new taxation measures as well as the $87 million family affordability package to help families with children, seniors living on a fixed income, and vulnerable Manitobans. We have also established two refundable tax credits in relation to the new affordability payments for families with children and low-income seniors. Families with children under the age of 18 with a household income of under 175000 receive a family affordability check of 250 for the first child plus 200 for each additional child. This means an average of a Manitoba family with two children will receive $450 and seniors will receive $300. I talked about that in an earlier show. These numbers are kind of silly. They could have done that way different. They should have gave seniors more and they should have just not put any, like just people who make not lots of money should get help, whether they have kids, whether they're white, whether they're women, men, it doesn't matter, immigrant, Manitoban, it should just be class-based, not gender-based, not race-based, none of that stuff. Um, but I'll continue. We are confident that this will help the cost of living, especially for those who need it most. See, a family making $175,000, I don't think they really need this money. You know what I mean? That's not who needs it the most. So, in recent months, our government also moved to raise the minimum wage, that's a good thing, uh, to $15, which will, it'll be at $15 in October 2023. In 2023, the education property tax rebate will provide even further assistance with an increase for residential and farm properties to 50% from 37.5% in 2022, increasing the average rebate for a homeowner to $774 in 2023 from 581 this year. Manitoba Public Insurance has issued rebates averaging $700 over the last two years. And we will continue to do even more as we strive to help make life more affordable for all Manitobans with a pledge to continue to look at new supports as they are needed. As we head into the winter and the holiday season, our government is particularly mindful of additional cost pressures and will stand with all Manitobans. Our government values Manitoba Hydro, the resource for its Manitobans and the key driver of our economy. Manitoba Hydro has been historically mismanaged by previous governments. Yes. Significant increases to funding for Public Utilities Board will strengthen its ability to fulfill its independent regulator role reviewing rate applications, and acting in the best interest of Manitoba ratepayers. Our government will financially stabilize Manitoba Hydro as a crown corporation. We have taken actions before, and we will take even more action in the months to come. Excuse me. Our actions will secure Hydro's future. We will lead in providing clean hydroelectric power for Manitobans and their businesses among the lowest rates in the country for years to come. Additional announcements will be made in the weeks ahead as we work to ensure hydro continues to be affordable for Manitoba ratepayers. And here's a big one, Manitoba. And like I said, I'm pretty impressed. Strengthening healthcare, if they could pull it off. Manitobans deserve consistent, accessible healthcare, and it is time for Manitobans to stop waiting for the care they deserve. 
We are solution focused and open to innovation and innovative. Sorry. <laughs> we are solution focused and open to innovation and new ideas, especially from healthcare practitioners. Our focus on putting patients first will ensure the change we make today will benefit Manitobans today for decades to come. Partnerships are integral to finding solutions and will be pursued when they benefit all Manitobans. Other provinces has, have demonstrated that a blended public-private delivery system works. Don't freak out, Manitoba. A blended public-private delivery system. We will continue to secure partnerships to ensure we explore any and all avenues to get Manitobans the help they need now. Fundamentally, Canada needs to invest in people and its families. This year, our Premier chairs uh, the Council of the Federation. It is notable that the Council, made up of all Canadian Premiers, is calling upon the federal government to restore our fair share of health care funding. Federal contributions are now less than half of what they were when Canada's public health system was first implemented. And that has been a long-standing battle between the provinces and the federal government. Every, I don't know, five years or so, it seems like the federal government keeps decreasing funding, like the uh, percentage that provinces get for health care. I'll continue, though. Provinces alone cannot fund all the investments needed in health care, nor should we. Our government will continue to fight for our fair share of federal funding for health care. Like all other Canadian provinces, Manitoba is facing a shortage of trained health care professionals. Last year, we committed to establishing 400 new nurse, nurse training seats within the province, but we are prepared to do so much more. Just give me a sec, Manitoba. Okay, as recently announced, we will add 2,000 more professionals to our healthcare system through our aggressive 200 million multi-year health human resource action plan. It's like finally, like, I, you know, I made fun of the earlier when they now I did a show and I made fun of the 400 new training services because Audrey Gordon came out as if it was like a cure to our current crisis when people were like, like we were going back to hallway medicine just like two months ago. And Heather, or sorry, Audrey Gordon came out as if this was some sort of cure. And it's like 400 new training seats next year is not going to cure our emergency room crisis. That's what it was about, the emergency room. So I made fun. So this is good in collaboration with more. So now I'm a little more confident, you know what I mean? Like they're adding 2,000 more professional to our healthcare system. $200 million multi-year health human resource action plan. Feeling a little bit better, Manitoba. Manitobans have been seeking a comprehensive human resource plan, and in this initiative, we will focus on recruiting, retaining, and retraining professionals in an environment that is anchored in respect. Okay. Our investment of $110 million in the Surgical and Diagnostic Task Force is making noticeable progress addressing backlogs and uh, sorry backlogs with innovative ideas. Cataract surgery case backlogs have dropped dramatically from 1,200 cases in February to 116 cases in August. That's not bad. As well as much, uh, sorry, 
uh, backlogged orthopedics hip and knee replacements has fallen from 1,557 in February to 1,140 in August. So that's like 400 down, but man, still 1,100 surgeries to go. Wow. So we know we need much more. We know that much more needs to be done, and we are prepared to take the bold necessary sorry, to take the bold steps necessary to further reduce wait times for Manitobans in need of care. Modern healthcare facilities are a critical part of a strong healthcare system, which is why we continue to build our initial $812 million commitment outside of Winnipeg includes new hospitals for Nipawa and Portage Prairie, in addition to other healthcare facility enhancement projects in Brandon, Steinbeck, Dauphin, Selkirk, Ashen, and Winkler. That is all good news. Today, our government is making an even greater commitment with a multi-year, multi-billion dollar capital investment in our hospitals. This unprecedented investment in Winnipeg hospitals will ensure Manitobans get the best care possible in the most modern of facilities. Thank you. Finally. Across Canada, many senior... I mean, you know what? Guaranteed NDP is going to come out and like... It's funny that PCs are funding healthcare when they cut healthcare 10 years ago. You know what I mean? They just can't never give them a win. And if you've seen some of the plans that NDP came out with, this is why I encourage us not to get too mad at the PCs and go NDP. They are offering insane plans. Um, like lowering the requirement for knowing English for nurses. Like, insane plans. I understand that they're trying to do something, but putting together bad plans is not the answer. But anyways, I'll continue. Across Canada, many seniors suffered horribly throughout the pandemic. To better protest and safeguard them, we are committed to further improving our long-term care homes as a demonstration of care, concern, and respect to the generation who have committed so much to Manitoba. Like never before, the demand for mental health services and treatment for addictions is on, is on the rise nationwide, making timely access increasingly difficult. Since 2019, we have invested a record $58 million in innovative programs to increase and improve mental health and addiction services across the province. To ensure everyone seeking treatment is given an opportunity to be healthy, our government is making a significant investment to increase and support up to a thousand treatment spaces. Care that is recovery-oriented helps reduce deaths, which is why we must continue to invest in saving the lives of so many precious family members. Child and youth suicide is a national crisis requiring strong federal leadership. No family and no community should suffer from the needless loss of life. Suicide crises uh, are most acute with Indigenous communities. So I'm glad to see that the PCs are encouraging help when it seems like the federal liberals are just encouraging euth euthanization. Like, they, they want to euthanize people with mental problems. That is mind-blowing. In Canada. Like, these fucking liberals have lost it. I'll continue, though. Uh, building on our existing five-year roadmap for mental health, we will complete and implement a provincially coordinated strategy for suicide prevention, focusing 
on youth and at-risk communities. So suicide prevention, the fucking federal liberals must hate that. Our government is committed to collaborating with indigenous communities and the federal government to bolster regional health care and mental health and addiction services. Education. The hallmark of a successful education system is one which provides a strong, cohesive continuum of learning from childhood to adulthood in safe, secure environments. Cohesive continuum. <laughs> that didn't happen for the last three years. Transformational investments in childcare, education, and advanced education are critical to preparing young Manitobans for the future. To address the need for affordable and accessible high-quality early childhood education, especially in rural communities, we are investing up to $70 million to fund up to 17 new facilities to create more than 1,200 new spaces. Honestly, Manitoba, I think this is all good news, man. It's going to put... It's going to give the ability to put more people back to work. This in itself, 17 new facilities, creates jobs. To strengthen the sector and encourage more individuals to pursue a career in early childhood education, an increase in operating grants is planned for early in the new year to support increased wages. As the workforce grows, more investments will be made to add more spaces. Our province is also making unprecedented investments in K-12 education. We are on track to deliver on the $1.6 billion four-year funding guarantee, with over $1.3 billion invested in the first three years, including more than $460 million for the 22-23 year. Our government will continue to work with community agencies, policies, services, and department stakeholders to prevent child exploitation, be it online or in schools. Growing the workforce is a priority in Manitoba. Supporting investments in adult continuing and post-secondary education are on track. It is essential that we strengthen our collaboration with post-secondary institutions and businesses to identify skills and labor needs and respond to the training, research, and development needs of Manitoba businesses, including the manufacturing sector. Um, Our government is considering all post-secondary program proposals that will help address labor shortages and foster economic growth. Government is also taking a close look at ensuring equitable funding across post-secondary institutions. I hate that word. Our government will work with colleges to refine their college growth proposal to address labor and skill shortages. Earning micro-credentials is becoming increasingly important, and our colleagues are adopting programs to serve students, employees, and businesses. A comprehensive review to inform the development of an adult education strategic plan is underway on how to best to retain Manitobans to address high-demand well-paying trades in our province. As an electrician apprentice, I like hearing that. Promoting skilled trades as a strong career path will help Manitobans build and support a skilled, diverse workforce. A new income support program to address the unique needs of people with severe and long disabilities will be launched next spring. And the Journey to Independence Fund will be introduced to help prepare Manitobans for better job perspective, prospects, and community participation. So, hey, I'm not going to lie. That sounds all pretty good. And also, I do like this section as well. Making Manitoba more competitive. 
Manitoba's workforce is expected projected to grow by 3.7 percent by 2026. Nearly a third of the job openings over the next five years are expected to be new jobs created by economic growth, and six out of ten will require post-secondary education. The Conference Board of Canada shows Manitoba's real economic growth will rise again this year, although inflation and higher interest rates may impact that growth. To make us more competitive, our government has and will continue to make strategic investments in venture capital and infrastructure to position our province to capitalize on on developmental global economic growth opportunities in green energy, digital services, sustainable agricultural, manufacturing, and critical minerals. Manitoba is starting to go heavy mining. I love it. That's going to create a lot of high-paying jobs. Earlier this year, we announced $50 million investment into Manitoba's venture capital fund as Manitoba companies use the fund to grow from within or choose to locate in Manitoba. Our government will make further investments to ensure the financing required for all growth stages of a company are available and in place. Already, this initial investment has generated more than $100 million in private sector interest. The Communities Economic Development Fund supports Northern economic development by providing a reliable source of capital for Northern business development. That's huge. The fund will soon reopen its business loan program to support key sectors of a growing Northern community and help fill financing gaps for Manitoba businesses. Manitoba is a unique position economically with gateways to trade in the north, the south, the east, and the west. Our vision and strategy is to build on a multi-model transportation hub and trade gateways to forge a more prosperous future for all Manitobans. Helping to create a more competitive province will allow us to get growing while we are weathering the economic storm. Investments will strengthen and complement existing projects, including the Winnipeg Perimeter Freeway Initiative, Centerport Rail Park, and the Hudson Bay Rail Line, and completing the twinning of the Trans-Canada Highway to the Ontario border. Accelerated investments in these key trade corridors will maximize our trade capacity. A recent $40 million commitment to Centerport will stimulate high-paying jobs, essential to economic growth. We will continue to work with the City of Winnipeg as they develop their transportation master plan. Northern Manitoban's success is essential to our province's long-term economic sustainability. The recent announcement of $74 million in the Hudson Bay Rail Line will guarantee continued service to remote communities and will attract increased investment in the Port of, George, port of Churchill. The dividends flowing from these northern uh, critical infrastructure investments will be in the form of new jobs. And generally, Manitoba, these are high-paying jobs, which is a good thing. In this tumultuous time, people, companies, and investors are recognizing that Manitoba is the answer to many of the world's problems. The world has discovered that the combination of Manitoba's critical mineral and strategic resources our affordable, reliable, renewable energy, and our highly skilled workforce will be key in creating the materials and products that will drive the world's energy transition. This is the be- uh, this is best illustrated by the record investment by global companies in mineral exploration in Manitoba last year. 
Record investment. That's good. Like I said, this is, and like they're saying, this is going to come with high paying jobs. Uh, we are regaining our reputation as a leader, as leading mining jurisdiction. While the world grapples with the food insecurity caused by Russia's aggression, added, I'm going to say added by Trudeau's, um, what is it? Fertilizer reduction plan. Um, Manitoba's agriculture industries have rebounded to record yields, helping feed and driving economic growth. And soon products and resources from across the West will reach markets around the world using Western Canada's Northern Transportation Corridor. From the Rockies to Hudson Bay, Manitoba will lead the development of the Northern Trade Corridor. Manitoba is also experiencing unprecedented interest from global manufacturing business seeking to shorten the supply chains and reduce the carbon intensity of their products. While assets like Centerport are affordable, clean energy advantage and our unique multimodal transportation infrastructure, Manitoba has the answer for the world's manufacturing and supply chain challenges. As part of our mineral strategy, our government will incent capital investment to process Manitoba's critical minerals right here in Manitoba. That's also good news. The Manitoba Protein Advantage Strategy will make Manitoba even greater standout in protein industry development with more investments and more jobs. We have seen historic investment in key protein processing facilities in recent years, and our government will continue to focus on attracting world-leading industry partners. To help ranchers recover from climate change, driven droughts and floods, a temporary rent reduction on agricultural crown lands will be provided in 2023 to 2025. These rent reductions will provide almost $4 million in support. I love it when we help out our farmers and ranchers. I mean, they're always, their margins are, seem to be low year after year. That's a tough job. Uh, to contribute to our economic competitiveness, red tape reduction through regulation, reform, and modernization continues. Economic reconciliation key to funding a stronger, key to building a stronger province for everyone will continue with Indigenous peoples by removing barriers to full participation in Manitoba's economy, ensuring access to education and training and revenue sharing. Here's something I've seen actually pop up a lot. Manitoba's film and television production industry is experiencing significant growth attributable to the Manitoba Film and Video Production Tax Credit. The industry is worth almost $400 million and it can reach half a billion. To get there, we require more film crews and more investment in training. Manitobans. So building on a new regular direct air access to Los Angeles. Interesting. Helping protect... Oh, I, I lost the stream. Helping protect our environment, climate, and parks. Advancing economic activity and job creation are key to the province's future and so is environment protection and conservation. Our government made substantial investments in water management, conservation and protection and more will follow. Water is our most valued resource and every drop counts. To secure Manitoba's water future and advance our environmental, economic and community priorities, the action plan 
for our recently announced water strategy framework will be released by spring of 2023. A thorough review of all water legislation to guide our water management will be initiated. Manitobans value their provincial parks and a capital plan for major investments in our parks will be announced. A trail strategy and action plan to enhance and support a high-quality network of accessible trails will soon be announced. It will create a path forward, <clears throat> providing health, social, sorry, health, social, and economic benefits for trail users and communities across the province. We will revitalize our conservation officer service, the third largest peace officer force in Manitoba, by hiring more officers and outfitting them with better equipment and technology to combat dangerous activities such as poaching, night hunting, and road hunting. This investment in both the tools and the people will ensure safety in our parks, our forests, on our lakes, and in our fields. Our government will continue with significant investments to achieve critical environmental goals such as the $167 million investment in the second phase upgrades to the North End Sewage Treatment Plant, which, again, a lot of high-paying jobs. Manitoba continues to pursue emission reduction across all sectors of the economy, and we will do our share to help Canada meet its international obligations, our comprehensive provincial Adaption strategy will reduce the impact of extreme climate events such as floods, droughts, wildfires, and more. Working with stakeholders, we will modernize the waste division and recycling framework to divert more material from our landfills and create new businesses and job opportunities within a circular economy. Almost done. Last section. Helping build stronger communities. Investments in our communities, recreation, arts, and culture, and newcomers to our province creates prosperity and a good quality of life. Many organizations face reduced revenues and fundraising challenges. The Arts, Culture, and Sports in Community Fund will invest $100 million in communities to maintain and strengthen the program and facilities that are an important part of this place we call home. Notably, the first year's allocation will be fully subscribed. Public libraries are important institutions within our communities, and we will continue to strengthen our public library system with increased funding. Every region of the province benefits from tourism revenue jobs, revenue and jobs. Updated forecast pro- project Manitoba tourism re- revenues to return to the 2019 levels in 2023. Um, a year earlier than originally estimated. Immigration is a key component to our labor supply chain. Is it? Pretty sure we have a lot of people not working right now in Manitoba. Throughout our history as a province, Manitoba has been a destination for those fleeing conflicts around the world, seeking peace and the opportunity for a better life for their families. Manitoba continues to welcome and support newcomers to our province. Last year, we welcomed more than 16,000 newcomers to the province. And this year, in little over little over six months, uh, the welcoming and generous spirit of Manitoba was exemplified by how we united as community 
to welcome more than 12,000 people fleeing the brutal and unjust war in Ukraine. We are the gold standard across Canada for welcoming refugees from Ukraine. This demonstrates once again that when we work together, we win together. The final report of Manitoba's Immigration Advisory Council will be delivered soon with recommendations to enhance the success of Manitoba's Provincial Nominee Program and our renewed uh, Canada-Manitoba Immigration Agreement will ensure our province is able to attract potential immigrants based on provincial economic priorities while collaborating, collaborating on the settlement and integration of newcomers. Okay, so their conclusion is we have outlined our plan for this upcoming year. We will help make our communities safer. We will help families make ends meet. We will help strengthen our health care and reduce wait times. We will make Manitoba more competitive. We will protect our environment and environment, climate and parks. Um, we will help build stronger communities. Okay, and that, yeah. Estimates for the require, uh, sorry, estimate for the requirements for the public services of the province for the next fiscal year and the public accounts for the fiscal year will be placed before you for your consideration. Blah 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 blah. So Manitoba, that is, like I said, a lot to pull off. You know what I mean? Like that. That is um like. <sighs> They know we have an election in 13 months, so they are honestly trying to go big. That's a lot. Like I said, they hit all the points. Healthcare, crime, the economy. Like with all this like uh, funding for like uh, movies and all that and, um, and minerals and mining, man, that's going to bring a lot of high-paying jobs. I'm happy. Yeah, but right off the top, like I said, uh, uh, man, Stephenson showed up. Uh, and, I mean, I mean in a good way, I think. Um, just so you guys know, um, yeah, like I said, uh, who wrote? Uh, the lieutenant governor of the province of Manitoba read this throne speech. So Heather Stephenson um, held a news conference, and I was impressed. I, and I, like I said earlier, I've been very critical of her in the past. Um, but she, like in my opinion, Manitoba, she seemed like a good leader. She seemed like a strong leader. Um, she seemed like she was in control of the facts. Like she she, she knew what she was talking about. I'm going to play you a clip. It's like a seven-minute clip. I know this show is already 43 minutes, and even a seven-minute clip is long. But Manitoba, like we are... Like I said, we're voting in, in 13 months. So, and we're going to really judge her on on what she just proposed. But uh, for the last few months, I've honestly kind of been worried. Like, w crime. Like, we, like I said, we've just hit our record in Winnipeg for murders. 45 murders. This gave me some hope. Um... The 4 minute and 55 second. Oh no. Shoot. I think I was actually at the right spot. For Manitobans. Yeah. So they talk about healthcare. And I know I read to you earlier that Stephenson was talking about the private public blend. 
And soon as you mention private healthcare in Canada, everyone shuts down and they freak out. I think listening to this next clip is important. It's only seven minutes and it's going to talk a little bit about what her plan is. And this is not new to Canada. So anyways, Manitoba, it's seven minutes. And like I said, our healthcare has been in a nonstop crisis like for the last four years, but realistically all my life. Like I grew up with healthcare medicine, you know what I mean? So let's just hear her out. And then when the plan comes out, we'll dive into it, but we shouldn't just shut it down. I know private healthcare sounds scary because you hear the shit in the States, but it's not that. Um, but either way, Manitoba, let me just uh, go full screen for you here. If I can. There we go. Okay, so here we go. Can you say, can you give us an idea of um, talking about capital uh, programs for Winnipeg hospitals, mm -hmm. health sciences center, right? there's some older buildings there. I mean, is that, would that be one of the big ones? Yeah, I mean, let's. That's a good example, obviously, of of you know we've all been either in the health sciences center ourselves or had loved ones in there, neighbors, friends, um, and we see that parts of it are are a hundred years old. Um, we need to upgrade these facilities to ensure that they're state of the art, uh, especially for uh, patients, but also for those who work in those facilities to make sure that. Uh, um, that we're providing, you know, the best facilities possible. Could this mean new builds? I mean, you're just talking about there's parts that could be renovated and improved, but could we be talking about new builds? Again, I mean, we will be um, rolling that out over the course of the next weeks and months ahead. Uh, you will know also, I was at the Grace Hospital dinner recently and announced that uh, we will be investing in uh, their ICU uh, there as well. And so those are some of the things that we will be helping with. But uh, again, the details of that will come uh, over the course of the next little while. On, on crime, uh, there's something here about a renewed and enhanced camera network system. Mm -hmm. is, that, is that new cameras or are more cameras down the camera? So again, the details will be, you know, we want to work collaboratively um, with municipalities. We want to make sure that we're talking to police officers and, and getting their input in all of this. And so, uh, again, more details to come on those. But I think it is, obviously, what we want to do is create a safer community for down you know for for families in downtown Winnipeg so we're talking are you talking about increasing the surveillance in downtown Winnipeg is that what Winnipeggers can expect yes I think we, we are looking at uh, what will that look like you know obviously not wanting to invade in people's privacy and so on but we need to ensure that we're catching the criminals who are who are out there um, you know you know the, that are preying on vulnerable people in our downtown communities so um, so, so that's what the idea is behind it. There was already an announcement, though, in the summer that the Downtown Community Safety Partnership is doing this. Is this on? Is this more? Is, is this? We'll something work in collaboration with them. We obviously don't want to, um, you know, we want to make sure we're working with them to uh, to augment what they're doing as well, and so to to ensure that uh, we're again doing whatever we can to to help them do their jobs. They do incredible jobs to keep our downtown safe. Uh, talks about a blended public-private delivery uh, 
health system, uh, saying that it works in other provinces. Which other provinces specifically have we seen a successful health Pretty much every other province in Manitoba. We had 17 years here where there was very, very little to no expansion of private delivery of healthcare services in our province. And if we want to expand capacity here, it's why we're, ha you know, then this is the route that we have to go to encourage uh, the private sector to set up here in Manitoba where we can contract out with the private sector to deliver those services for Manitobans. Why is that the route to go? Why not increase or bolster public? Uh... Well, I think it's what's happening in other provinces and, and what they're able to do when we uh, came sort of out of the pandemic and into a situation where there's surgical and diagnostic backlogs. Um, other provinces were able to contract out within their provinces, uh, within the private sector. We, we were not able to, we were able to do some of that with Maples and, and Western Surgical. Um, but now we're having to go outside of our province to deliver those services for Manitobans. So what we want to do is make sure that we're increasing that capacity here in our province. Is there a model in another province that you're specifically looking at, like perhaps in Alberta, um, the UCP has um, you know, endorsed an idea of increased private... Most other provinces are doing it. If you, if you look at other provinces, they have expanded beyond. They have a significant private sector component that they contract out to within their provinces. We have lagged behind because there was an ideological approach that was taken for uh, decades here in our province. We're getting beyond that. And uh, we are going to look to the private sector to help be part of the solution. Again, still within the single-payer system, but, uh, but private delivery to expand the capacity within our province. Single-payer, but also single-tier? Single-payer, yeah. Single -payer single -tier. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's way, the way it is now where it's where, you know, in other provinces they're able to uh, contract out those services. And, and I think, you know, we can here as well. And some of that has been done. I just think we need more of it. You know, we know what we've, we've run into with our surgical and diagnostic task force. We've had to go out of province and sometimes even out of the country to deliver those services. And unfortunately, that should have been able to be done here. And in other provinces, they are able, they have more capacity to be able to keep that within their province. We want Manitobans to stay in Manitoba to get the health care that they need. Okay. I think I'm back. You might have missed about 30 seconds of her talking. I'm not too sure, but I'm just going to play it from where I paused it. The most important thing to us is that Manitobans get the health care that they need when they need it. And again, we want them to get it here in Manitoba. And do you envision, like you've already touched on it, but do you envision it would be services like day surgeries and diagnostics? Like you, you, those are the things you kind of mentioned, surgical. That's right. So like something like day surgery and, and diagnosis where you would need... You know, I'm not having open-heart surgery, obviously. I need to be in a hospital. But you're, right. you're, you're saying, like, more like those are the kinds of things you're envisioning. Those are the kinds of things I'm envisioning, absolutely. And there's more capacity in other provinces. And we should have that capacity right here in Manitoba. And there's no reason we can't as long as we just, you know, let people know that we're, that we're willing to go in that direction. I think we had a couple of decades where a, a government wasn't willing to go in that direction. And I, I think we need to increase that capacity. It doesn't, it's not all government that has to be, you know, the only solution to this. We need to work collaboratively. With, uh, with the private sector and other partners to deliver those services for, for management. 
Tobin's. Do you feel it would be counterproductive a bit with the recruitment of healthcare workers that might be tended to go to private instead of staying in the public system? No, I think, you know, obviously um, <clears throat> what we're concerned about, and you know that we did announce a $200 million um, uh, investment in our healthcare resources and 2,000 more healthcare uh, professionals in the province of Manitoba just last week. We're very committed to that. Um, what, but what we don't have is the capacity within our province right now to be able to deliver those services all right now. I think once we recruit those individuals, we'll have more, more greater capacity within the province. But I think as well, in the meantime, it would be good rather than contracting out you know, for these services in other provinces and other countries, it would be great if we could do that, more of that right here at home. So it's, it's a balanced approach to it. Revenue sharing, are you envisioning um, indigenous communities? <clears throat> so there it is, Manitoba. Like I said, does that sound scarier? No. Like everything sounds good. Single payer, for profit, so there'll be competition, so the government can contract the best service at the best rate. Because obviously, our public health care at the current time cannot handle the demand. So, and I mean, building new hospitals, hiring all that, that'll take time. The private sector can just get here and get it done. And Manitoba, just so you guys know that some, um, some of these plans have already been released and I'm super happy to point this out. Here's a quick title. Manitoba nurses could make thousands more for long-term, full-time and weekend work. Finally, like Manitoba is starting to put plans forward that actually attract and retain healthcare workers. And that's with a paycheck, obviously. Money talks. Like, I, I'm super happy. Listen, Manitoba, if you, if you guys want to make, have a good job, a good paying job, become a nurse. If you guys have nieces or nephews or kids in high school, or, you know, it's never too late, if you guys want a career change, become a nurse. Like, a nurse is a high-paying job, a good-paying job. I'm going to go over it more in depth in a later show, but from the nurses' union, look at what they got. I'm pretty sure they're already at, like, $30 an hour. Weekend work, an additional $8 an hour. If they stay for 24 months, they get $10,000 paid over two years. A total of 30000 5000 paid after 6 months, 5000 more after 18 months. So if, if Manitoba, sorry, Manitoba, if nurses uh, stay in Manitoba for 2 years, they will get an additional $30,000 on top of an $8 an hour increase. This, Manitoba, is how we end our healthcare crisis. Finally... We're putting, you know what, I think maybe cops should be paid more, but they should be able to be fired. That's the only way I'll agree to um, cops being paid more. But you know what I mean, Manitoba, like finally. We're, do, we're doing something, uh, you know, to actually attract and retain nurses instead of just talk. It's, you know what I mean? But either way, Manitoba, like I said, uh, that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in again. I know I took like it was something like 12 weeks off and uh, a lot has happened 
in that 12 weeks. So I think I, I try to hit on all the main parts. One thing I did forget, shout out to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who will be playing in the Grey Cup on Sunday. Uh, will they be able to... Leave comments below. Will they be able to uh, do the three-peat? Just so you guys know, Winnipeg Blue Bombers have faced uh, the Toronto Argonauts six times in the past, six times in the Grey Cup. They faced each other. And unfortunately, Winnipeg Blue Bombers have won zero. So can they pull off their first victory against the Argos in the Grey Cup? We will find out. Leave your comments below if you guys think they could do that. Manitoba, I'm back to my regular schedule probably Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock, whatever, Central, I don't know, Manitoba time. 